Hi, welcome back to Freshwater Perspectives, where today we are talking about London's cholera outbreak and the real Jon Snow. Stay tuned. everyone welcome back riley what is new oh i wish you know when looking at some other podcasts they always feel like they have like lives that are more fun than mine and like so like i'm thinking like what i wonder what my updates are and literally it's been grinding lately just um (laughs) just grinding man i i'm doing doordash oh Okay. Still, um, what a couple weeks in, still figuring out if it's going to be worth it or not. But, um, so this might date the podcast at some point. But like, I I don't know if like the the student loan relief, quote unquote, oh. that's happening. I don't know if that's going to go through or not. I selfishly, because all of my student loans are private, I hope it doesn't go. Through. <laughs> So I'm going to yeah. be so pissed if everyone around me has their student loans forgiven and I still have yeah. this gorilla hanging over, hanging over my back. Yeah. But no, so also, it, I mean, well, yeah. it's also, sorry, this is not a political podcast. So this no. is the last thing I'm going to say about Matt this, going. but oh, Jesus. <laughs> they're talking about the debt ceiling and how that's a problem. And then they want to forgive student loans. I don't think that's going to make it any better. Is it? I did hear about the debt ceiling. You know, there's yeah. a kind of like a quote unquote loophole for the debt ceiling no that um to like kind of negate the debt which i I still don't know like how you can do it, but like you, the the i think federal reserve oh god we're, we're talking dumb right now so i'm sorry if someone knows but like there's <laughs> a, like effectively a coin that could be minted that would be like the trillion dollar coin they call it mm-hmm. and that could help with our debt be like oh we just paid off this amount because we decided to print off this coin like a single trillion dollar coin <laughs> Made out of platinum. It has to be made out of platinum. Huh. And like, I guess every couple of years it gets like put forward <laughs> as like a way to help with debt yep. in our country. And the, the people are like, stop talking about it, please. Like, it's not a thing. <laughs> that makes no sense to me. I'm not an economist. I'm yeah. not, I'm not mm-hmm. any of this political scientist, but right. yeah, I have no idea. I heard about potentially defaulting on the debt and then what yeah. that could mean for the country doesn't sound good but um, so um yeah but in response to just that like, i mean we have some student loans right mm-hmm. and uh, i was like if they get paid great like um but uh i was like ah, i don't know if it's like a dave ramsey thing like but i was like i need this gone so i was like what can i do so it's like, <laughs> i was like oh we could doordash so yeah some people are like it, it doesn't make it's not worth it at all and other people are like I make a good chunk of money. And I was like, I'm sure it depends on where you live. Like I'm sure if you're, if you're DoorDash here in like a college town, I'm sure you, you have to clean up. But then on the other hand, there's probably a lot of people doing DoorDash. So I don't know how that like diluting the kind of workforce a little bit, how that works. I have no, yeah, man. But I'm going to read off how many hours I've done it. Four hours. So five hours this week, the week before 23 hours, Oh, wow. And then 15 hours. So I've done it for a little bit the week before that. Okay. And, so um, 
I do have some questions then. Yeah. So do you, maybe, maybe these are dumb questions. I don't know. So do you put yourself like in air quotes on call and you're getting paid that whole time or do you only get paid when you make deliveries? Yeah. So it, it kind of looks like you get paid the whole time and it's, it's as like, you don't become a quote unquote subcontractor until mm-hmm. you pick something up and then it's like, Oh, you're on the clock. Once you drop oh. it off, Oh, you're off the clock. So yeah, there is no, um, like if you had to, and this hasn't happened to me, but like, yeah, if you didn't have an order for like two hours, like they're not going to give you money. Oh, I kind of thought that's what it was. And I was like, hmm, but no. Yeah. Huh. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I get yeah. it. But huh. Mm-hmm. yeah, I always wondered about that. Okay. So, well, but I mean, as, as far as paying off student loans, I know Rachel talked about, so the, she's trying to negotiate this for her contract right now mm-hmm. is not in this first year when she first starts, but maybe a year, maybe like after that first year when things, she kind of gets a better hold on what it's like to be a vet. And she kind of yeah. has, you know, just a better hold and being able to work throughout her work day a lot faster. So, so she gets two days off a week. You know, so say she works Monday, Wednesday, Friday, she may get Tuesday and Thursday off. Yeah. So those two days she can work at, say, a rescue shelter and just do spays and neuters all day. That's like mm-hmm. a kind of side gig where she can earn some extra cash. So she's really? trying to, yeah, she's trying to work that into her contract right now. So, cause I mean, yeah, you got to pay off Good those loans, man. You got to pay off it's those crazy. loans, especially when it's almost yeah. a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. Hey, it's <laughs> a lot of spades, man. <laughs> yeah. But that I mean, not to yeah. This is not the podcast, but it's mm-hmm. it's a reckoning that it, like a lot of individuals are gonna have to come to terms with. Yeah, and, and again, I yeah, I have so, so many opinions. Just being oh, around so college do I. enough. So yeah. don't don't get me wrong. So we have a twofold household where one of us went through no loans. The other mm-hmm. one has a very minimal, very mm-hmm. minimal amount of loans, but it's still. I mean, if Biden forgave him, woo, but not, yeah. I'm like, dude, like that's, <laughs> that's, that's a line item on my budget that I don't want around anymore. So it's like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to hope the government like, yeah, you know, no, listen, man, yeah, right. So it's from like, the outside looking in, I do not blame anybody for wanting this to happen. Yeah. Just yeah, like yeah. I said, oh, yeah. be selfishly. <laughs> I'm going to be very annoyed. Dude, see, I, <laughs> like I said, like, it's like, geez, like why did I work yeah. so much if they didn't get to yeah, say, so, well, yeah. On the other hand, yeah. If you paid off. If you mm-hmm. had $80,000, you paid off seventy five. dollars You're like, oh, yeah. thanks, dude. Dude, and then it's like, I mean, if you want to think of this as a game, because at some point it is, but like, like what? who's to say the next administration like is not going to rally on this and be like, we're going to cancel loans. We're... So it's like, do I ever mm-hmm. want to pay them off? Like, do I just pay minimum amount? Because at some point, this is like a... So that's like a big thing about this. Like, if if this were to go through, it sets precedent. And it's like, geez. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can almost use it as a political tool. You know? And I know there's like, I mean, it's in the Supreme Court right now being argued. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't Last know. I heard, it wasn't going well. But again, that's, that's, I heard too. That, that's a lot of headline surfing on my part, I'll admit. But, so. so I was like, I'm going to do DoorDash. And if it gets canceled, great. Otherwise, I'm going to have a big old pot of an emergency rainy day mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Um, kind of sucks, though. DoorDash kind of sucks. Yeah. also it's fun <laughs> i don't know i don't know how to describe it yet i was like dizzy i did it for like a good amount of time one day like 13 hours straight yeah well how does that work like, like <laughs> for like paying your gas and stuff too it's i mean so they have like base pay okay so i don't know like effectively yeah it should all be i mean you as the person have the option to approve or deny what you're going to do so mm-hmm. like, oh, this is going to go to this place. It's 
X amount of money per mile or something. Oh. And then, right. So then you're like, well, yeah, that would, that would be reasonable. Gotcha. So I was like, I don't know, like a dollar, $25, 50 per mile. Okay. They'll just okay. totally tell you lump sum. And then you have to like yeah. in your mind and be like, okay, well, but then you gotta be like, well, this is going to leave me out of town. And then I got to drive back. Like you're uh-huh. not going to have an order on the way back. So like you want to stay in town, you want to have high amounts and then yeah, wait for a big old I see order. What you're saying. Okay. Sometimes they double up orders. So like you're going, um, oh, I'm going North. And then like, as you're driving, they're like, you can pick this up on the way too. And then you have like two oh, or three, two okay. or three on the, yes. But then you don't like, it's a risk. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm going to go this way. I don't know if like, they're going to give me another order. And then sometimes it's like, bling, yeah. bling. You're like, yes. And then, <laughs> then you make the money. But yeah. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. So gas is essentially just out of pocket more or less. It is. You do like, they don't tell you, but like track your miles. Cause it's a write-off because you're a, you're a contracted employee. Right. So yeah. like you could like, what's your expenses to make that money? You have your, what you get paid, but then you also have what you, you spend. So mm-hmm. IRS is 66 miles cents per mile. So that's not nothing after like a year's worth, man. That's not nothing. I mean, but then effectively too, like the IRS isn't giving out that money away for free. So like they know yeah. like, Hey, your car's <laughs> going to break down at some point. Yeah. Like we're not just being like 66. You can write this off your tax. We don't, we don't want that tax. It's like, no, mm-hmm. they know. They know. Mm-hmm. To keep yeah. this thing going, they know. Yep. <laughs> I think that's the number. Um, isn't that crazy, though? Yeah. Yeah, that is. But... So that is my, what I've been doing okay. a lot of time, as I read off in the last couple, three weeks. Okay. But, you know, yeah, you do what you got to do, man. Yeah, Jeez. I hear you. Yeah, it's, it's spring break right now here. So is it? I'm, yeah, I'm getting so much work done. It's fantastic. I also, though... So right before the students left, they took an exam. So I'm in the middle of grading their exams right now. So, oh, oh yeah, you're teaching spring mm-hmm. break. Oh yeah, dude. Because mm-hmm. Sam, she works for a, like a elementary school, and they mm-hmm. have off next week. Mm-hmm. She's going to Texas with my sister. They're having like a oh. little bonding experience. I'm like, that's Aww. great, but I want Tex-Mex. Like, come on, I didn't even get invited. <laughs> Texas is far from you guys too. <laughs> yeah, they want to oh, go Lord. some something in Main Magnolia the 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 lady who does like renovations on houses it's kip and joanne or something i don't watch reality tv but i think that's where they're they made like a whole like a pilgrimage kind of like you go and they you know there's a cafe and it's like the lady it's like oprah she has like her own stuff right (laughs) and she has an old magazine where it's just photos of her every time every month it's her like in a dress like like doing flower stuff i'm like Stay tuned for the Freshwater Perspectives magazine, where it's just Riley and I in different outfits every every month. <laughs> <laughs> the top twenty three waiters. That's right. <laughs> um, but so they're doing that, and yeah, so I guess it is spring break for us. It's it's a weird winter, so I don't. It doesn't feel like spring. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But anyways, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah or not. I don't know. It, it feels like another week. You know, it's always fun when the undergrads are like, what do you got plans for spring break? I was like, oh, I'm sampling out of town. Yeah. I'm going to go to this lake and that lake. It's going to be great. I, oh, for grading though, I remember I used to pound those tests out. Like mm-hmm. I would just sit down and be like, this is going to be the worst night ever. But then you're like, if I'm in a groove, yeah. I can get, well, this, yeah, is the that's biggest, what I'm saying. this is the biggest class I've TA'd. So it's 26 mm-hmm. students, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when it's, an open-ended test where it's five, like, essay questions. Yeah, es- yeah. five essay questions. It takes a minute. 
especially when it's really subjective grading. So usually it takes me a while to figure out the rubric and how I'm going to grade because I got to read the all rubric. the papers. I usually read all the papers once to be like, okay, it's, this is kind of where everyone's leaning. So that way I can kind of scale the grade. Oh, you a did? Bit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm it's... like this, this, and this. And then if they don't do it, y'all are bad. No. I mean, if, if I think they should answer it this way, but the entire class is answering it that way, I'm like, all right, maybe I just wrote the question or we wrote the question wrong. Or yeah. They interpreted it differently. So I try to I scale my grading you, you, accordingly. You, yeah. Yours is a little more thoughtful than mine. Mine was yeah. like, I'm get a, it right the first time or you're all wrong. I'm a, I'm a, I mean, I'll be the first to, I'm a pretty generous grader. So Are you? yeah, I am. I mean, it's, I still, I still, yeah. I always, I always plot my grades. I always get a normal, like a bell shaped curve oh, close to about a C average. So, you know, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I gave anybody like fails, but no, I mean, cause if, I was, no, yeah, no one answers the question, man. Can't give them credit for it. I was tried, like I was <laughs> always made my Rubik's really mechanical. So it's like, mm -hmm. You need you need five sentences at least, and like yep. each like this. I need to see this, this, and this. Yeah. Otherwise, no. Because yeah, because they'll come back and be like, "Well, why did this button?" It's like, mm -hmm. well, then I would have a rule or my uh, the grading system mm -hmm. where I could just pull it up and be like, "This is why." Like, yeah. You answered three. Yeah, three sentences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're going deep, but yeah, that's all right. I usually write all my grades on their tests, so that way mm -hmm. I don't have those people coming up to be like, "Why?" I'd be like, "It's right. Just read it. It's right there." Yeah. Yeah. But, I know. Anyway, so there's anyways, there's everything all the listeners I'm sure wanted to hear today when they tuned into the podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> to uh to really to really round out everything in the news, we last time we talked about the East Palestine train derailment, right? And mm -hmm. it it really continues to be, be a pretty divisive topic. And I'll admit the last time we talked about it, I was I think I texted you. I was like, oh, should we maybe take that out of the podcast, edit it out? But I, you know, rather than steer away from it, I think we need to keep talking about it. And, you know, as new reports and kind of new evidence comes out, just because, you know, being scientists, I think it's important. And frankly, I think it's okay to kind of change your viewpoint as, as new news comes out. Right. So Good I think, Yay. well yeah, said, I'll admit, I think we were a little, generous last time as to what was happening because we didn't really have a lot of news right we we're just like this mm -hmm. happened they ignited a couple tanks well it seems like they did the best they could um at least from what i found not much has changed but there definitely seems to be a lot more adding to the story so mm -hmm. as far as the recap so last time i talked about how officials decide to ignite cars filled with toxic vinyl chloride which resulted in the release of phosphine and hydrogen chloride now phosphine and hydrogen chloride are pretty acutely toxic rather than chronically toxic like the carcinogenic vinyl chloride so again it seemed like they were kind of picking the lesser of the two evils and then we also talked about pollutants and fish deaths in nearby rivers and that plume of butyl acrylate kind of heading down the ohio river so like i said last time it's becoming really hard to kind of know which sources are truthful. So again, I've tried to cross-reference as many different sources as I could, like mm -hmm. I did last time. But I can also say in my own kind of firsthand experience here, our lab works pretty closely with the Cincinnati Waterworks. And they've said that they haven't detected anything harmful in their water, even after they started screening for a whole suite of new chemicals related to the derailment. So that seems encouraging. Also, also worth noting, I think they're 150 miles away from the derailment, so they're they're pretty far removed from it. So, 
maybe not a huge yeah. surprise. They aren't seeing a lot, at least in I'm Cincinnati. I'm sure as a whole state, you're getting yeah phone calls after phone calls to your wife. Yeah, so that's like the biggest system. Yeah, that's the biggest air quotes issue. I'm not going to call it an issue, but that's the only thing. That's the kind of best word I could describe to it when yeah. talking to them. This is the biggest thing they're dealing with. Their calls from angry or concerned citizens. Now, you know, people should be concerned about their water. I'm not going to say people shouldn't be calling their water providers when something like this happens. But Cincinnati, at least people that we talked to, they said that they did release a statement to the news outlets and asked them to publish it. And several just chose to tweak or summarize it for whatever reason. So I can understand how citizens then read that abbreviated statement. Maybe it seemed a little vague. So they were rightly, you know, confused or concerned. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to call the waterworks up. So they've just been answering the phones pretty much around the around the clock right now so jeez that's what they got going on but as far as again more recently so the EPA has begun testing the derailment site for dioxins uh this has been at the recommendation of many academics and concerned residents as dioxins are potently harmful and persistent pollutants that are released as plastics burn so dioxins can be present at the site seeing as train the train was carrying chemicals to produce plastics Environmental testing is ongoing around the state. I couldn't find any that showed evidence of, you know, kind of elevated contamination, contaminant levels outside of the that kind of derailment zone. Mm -hmm. That doesn't doesn't mean that they aren't polluted. So again, I'm kind of reserving my right <laughs> to change my viewpoint <laughs> as new evidence comes out here. Yeah. Um, but at least the biggest thing that I've noticed in all of my readings, no matter the source, is the lack of response from Norfolk Southern, which is the company in charge of the train that derailed it took nearly a week for them to release a list of the contents of the railroad cars and even now seem to be dragging their feet in cleanup efforts furthermore they haven't made any statements as to what caused the derailment and you know needless to say it's frustrating disheartening you know all that that, that whole kind of suite of words you can use they don't seem to be handling it very well but hopefully cleanup happens quickly and safely and you know, hopefully Norfolk Southern or there's some sort of ramifications for them from the federal government. So I guess we'll have to yeah. just stay tuned and see what happens. Jeez. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. Yeah. But I don't know if you had anything else to add on that. I just wanted to kind of give everyone a quick little update. So. Um, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. It's no. one of those things where, again, I think it's easy to ignore, but I think it's one of these things that we should probably talk about a little bit. It's, it's certainly oh, big water news right now, right? I know, and like I'm totally guilty of you know, this week. My my schedule, I was like, like I didn't look. At, mm -hmm. I, so, yeah, isn't that an interesting thought process? Like as a citizen, like you should mm -hmm. be up to date on this. I got, I went down the rabbit hole the other way, like the last election. Like I mm -hmm. was so into like listening to all this, and I was like, this is bad. So like I mm -hmm. kind of shut off. Mm -hmm. listening to stuff and then i haven't picked up as much as i should be on like countrywide news or global mm -hmm. news so i read yeah. like our local newspaper like mm -hmm. every week just in case yeah. there's something water related that i should know about mm -hmm. um which has been going on but like um i don't want to get into it <laughs> but like so like i'm I'm on the local <laughs> level i'm doing good but on the mm -hmm on the federal level i need to do better mm -hmm. for sure yeah i mean i think it's i think everyone's kind of guilty of that i don't watch the news as much just because mm -hmm. i don't think the news has a lot of good things to say most of the time right that's the thing right you so just get it's so just, 
yeah, you kind of you kind of get numb to it after a while, just hearing one terrible thing after another. So it's easier just to tune it out. So I've been trying to kind of at least with this because it's so kind of close to our wheelhouse here. I've been trying oh, to for sure trying to stay up up to date on it. But so jumping right into it here, London's cholera outbreak, and yeah, so I wanted to to tell a story that maybe pretty well known but i think it's often forgotten or people don't really know all the details they may just know like the cliff notes version cliff notes version and in my opinion it's a it's a great story that was arguably the birth of epidemiology and it it used evidence-based science to reach an educated conclusion it's it's the story of the 1854 broad street collar outbreak and we're going to tell the story of the man that cracked the case do you know anything about this riley i know I've heard of cholera outbreaks. I haven't mm-hmm. heard about the cholera outbreak, and I—I okay. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, have you heard this, of this have, you, have you heard of John Snow before, Riley? No. <laughs> Other no. than the greatest show of all time. Arguably. Yes. I was waiting. <laughs> I was, you want to get you want to get it all out of your system? I was waiting for some of these references. <laughs> oh yeah, because um, you've never watched it yet, right? I've never watched it. I hate no. you so much on so. Many I know levels. you're not the first one to tell me that. I'm sorry. On the flip side, dude. If you end up north or something and there's a heavy winter like this one, man, mm-hmm. just start watching it, dude. You get a whole, yeah, you have like a, good point. a month worth of like movies. Yeah. Full blown it's, movies. I mean, it's, it's a series, on my list. Don't worry. It's on my list. You got to watch it. Man. I know. Well, I'm, I'm going through Ted Lasso right now because I'm way behind on that. Mm-hmm. I just started watching it. So great one. Yeah. I'm behind. I'm behind on a lot of the critically acclaimed shows, but jeez. Yeah. But before diving too deep, let's set the stage for London's public water system and the widely believed theories related to the kind of diseases and pathogens in general. So let's start with the deadly disease that we're going to focus on today. Cholera is, according to the CDC, an acute diarrheal illness caused by the bacteria Vibrio cholerae, which infects the victim's intestines. It continues to be a lethal pathogen today, as an estimated 1.3 million people contract cholera globally every year, with a death rate of between 2 and 12%, depending on the medications and treatment really? available. Mm-hmm. Still? Yes, yeah, still. 12%? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah, that's scary and in, stuff, man. In most cases, that's still better survivability than 19th century Europe. Probably not a huge surprise. <laughs> and this this was a time period that was also one of an ever-growing and also divisive one for the field of medicine. Mm-hmm. New techniques are being tested and applied every year, much like uh, anesthesia was kind of first being tested around this time. And yet there always seemed to be a big question on everyone's mind, and that is how exactly do people fall ill or get sick? Well, there there was essentially two competing schools of thought. So first there was miasma theory, or the idea that diseases like cholera were contracted from the victim breathing in toxic or bad air. The theory held that diseases emanated through the air from rotting organic matter. Miasma was attributed to such afflictions as cholera, asthma, and even obesity. Treatments included cleansing I mean, or scouring. Jerry's still out on the obesity one, like, to be honest. <laughs> I've, I've been to a Thanksgiving dinner where I just breathed fat. You know, I was like, jeez. <laughs> That's essentially what they believe. Like, That's the thing. That's essentially like, what they it believe. It smells so much that she's like, I'm, I'm already full. I was like, all right. <laughs> Treatments for miasma included cleansing and scouring the body to remove the toxins from the skin to taking a vacation to the countryside to breathe cleaner air. 
Miasma theory was the most widely accepted cause of disease going as far back as 400 BCE and ranged all the way from China to all of Europe, including the United States once that became a thing. Hmm. Yeah. Imagine also you get sick and your doctor, well, one, we could talk about medicine all day long. One, they just, they just prescribe you like whiskey or they just tell you to go take a vacation. <laughs> well, didn't they do that for tuberculosis, right? But I think there might be some merit to that, right? A drier climate, climate for tuberculosis. I have no idea. I guess I don't either. I, I guess I've, now I'm thinking of my sources are movies, so <laughs> probably not <laughs> the best. <laughs> I have no idea. No okay. idea. But okay. in contrast to miasma theory, its direct competition was the up-and-coming germ theory. Uh, not quite as old as miasma theory, but it was allowed longer than I really knew. So it dates back to the 1500s, but was famously propelled by the work of Louis Pasteur in the 1860s. Germ theory states that diseases are caused by small pathogens or germs. These germs are too small to be seen with the naked, uh, with the naked eye, but can wreak havoc once they enter the body. Despite the growing mountain of evidence in support of germ theory, there was still widespread skepticism as to its validity in being the cause of a widespread epidemic. Now, this leads us all to our leading man, Dr. John Snow. Snow was a trained obstetrician, so he helped deliver babies to make sure mother and baby were happy and healthy. But despite his devotion to obstetrics, he was almost obsessed with germ theory. By the time cholera was first reported <laughs> in 1831, Snow was only 18 and still in training. But between 1831 and 1854, Snow would continually look for evidence to support his theory that cholera was a waterborne disease. In 1854, the perfect set of unfortunate circumstances arose for him to crack the case. Anything to I add so this. far? Riley? I love that. Like he's just obsessed with it, and people yeah. are like, "Would you shut up about that already?" Like, he's like little things that get in you. Like, <laughs> I mean, I can imagine it's just one of those things where it's just you know when you get like a gut feeling and you're like, "I know I'm right, but I don't know why I'm right." That's that yeah. had to have been what he was thinking. There's some merit too, like just like breakthroughs. It's just an mm -hmm. individual going to deep dive mm -hmm. down just, something, and just yeah. yeah, we can just being totally obsessed. Yeah, this isn't the podcast for it, but I believe it was the man who was trying to, he was looking at like open heart surgery or like just heart surgery in general for uh, humans. Like it'd been done on horses and stuff like that, but no one thought you could operate on a person's heart while they were kind of still alive. Mm -hmm. So he, what he did, and I believe this is what it was. So he took like a, a surgical, I don't know, tube or whatever you do. So he inserted it in his arm, moved it all the way until it should have been in his heart, then walked down the hall to the x-ray room, convinced the x-ray woman to take an x-ray of him, showed his boss, and I think his boss fired him, but he kind of proved that you oh could do God. it. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of cases like that, just scientists going to probably stranger lengths than they should have. Mm -hmm. I think the guy who invented like local anesthetic did the same thing. Like he gave it to his assistant and just kind of beat the crap out of him. And he was like, Nope, I don't feel anything. <laughs> well, that's what Pasteur, right? Didn't he like inoculate himself? Right. I don't think that like, was Pasteur. Wasn't it? 
I don't know. Anyways, hearsay. Yeah. The fir- the thing that I most that I know most with Pastor is he had the different flasks of like beef broth. Mm-hmm. So he boiled different flasks of beef beef broth, and they all had like this kind of bend in them to prevent air from getting in. Mm-hmm. And then on half of them, he broke that kind of stem, and the ones where he broke it, like bacteria grew and it got moldy and gross and then the ones where he didn't break them they were still clean that's where he was like see stuff's getting in there and then people right. are like see it's the bad air getting in there <laughs> oh, yeah maybe looking it up the wrong one yeah maybe it wasn't i think it was the guy who was studying like yellow fever he was like injecting their blood into himself and all that crazy nonsense oh, i think it was the one who invited um vaccinations whoever invited vaccinations yes. Yes, he was testing testing. stuff like that. Yeah, because I think I think maybe it was yellow fever because he was like, see, it can't be transmitted from person to person. Yeah, he was doing all kinds of weird stuff. Well, that and then like um, the individual who found. uh... Anyways, no, we're not. We're we're going too far down this (laughs) rabbit hole. I can't find what I found. Yeah. (laughs) okay. just coming up with COVID vaccines right now. Oh, no, no, this isn't the podcast for that. (laughs) so yeah (laughs) Yeah, no definitely not so in 1854 soho a london suburb was racked with a terrible outbreak of cholera that was killing citizens at a pretty alarming rate now before we kind of get too far to take a step back and talk for a second about the soho neighborhood now riley actually talked about it a little bit in your previous podcast talking about this kind of dark age of sanitation and just how kind of wastewater wasn't really being moved around that much at all Mm-hmm. So Soho was a particularly low-come area crammed full of industry buildings and tenement housing. These tenement buildings often house multiple people per room and in some cases multiple families per apartment. On top of that, London had been growing so rapidly that the city hadn't yet upgraded the sewage situation in Soho, meaning that residents had these literal cesspools in front of their houses that they would dump their waste into. Yeah, you talk, you talk about the cesspits. I just I, yeah. I always called them cesspools, but I think it's tomato tomato. <laughs> and yeah if if these cesspools overflowed into the street there wasn't any system or governance in place to clean them so as you can imagine much of london and in fact many large cities at this time had this foul stench that kind of stayed in the air almost constantly and i think this is kind of what led credence to the miasma theory at that point in time now jumping back to our story soho was experiencing this terrible outbreak of cholera and Snow was determined to get to the bottom of it. In one particularly terrible period in August of 1854, 137 people died from cholera over a three-day period just in that snow that Soho uh, neighborhood alone. What? How many? 134? 137 over a three-day period. Jeez, mm-hmm. that's so many. So over 40 people a day per day. Jeez. And then by early September, that number rose to 500. 500? Mm-hmm. 500 yeah, people were freaking out oh yeah. my god and i mean despite all all this kind of what i don't know what you want to call it pandemonium almost what was happening mm-hmm. at this time snow's approach was very systematic and in my opinion pretty impressive even by today's epidemiology standards mm-hmm. so he started by tracking deaths throughout the suburb and found a hot spot emanating from the broad street area Snow then went and interviewed as many people as he could in hopes of identifying a common thread amongst the ill. One impressive approach that Snow took 
was not just to find commonalities among those that got sick or died, but also investigate people who should have gotten sick but hadn't and people who shouldn't have gotten sick but had. So, for example, through his interviews and on-the-ground work, Snow found that a prison workhouse situated within the outbreak hotspot hadn't had a single case of cholera among its 535 inmates. Similarly, a brewery situated right on Broad Street also hadn't experienced any outbreaks among its workers. And perhaps the perfectly morbid case that kind of proves it all for Snow was that of an elderly woman and her niece who seemed like outliers as they perished from cholera despite living well outside of Soho. This honestly boggled his mind at this point, and he really tried to get as much information as he could about about these, these two deaths. And after talking with the elderly woman's son, Snow learned that the woman requested water specifically from the Broad Street pump to be bottled and brought to her as she believed that it had a sweet flavor unlike her local water source. So that, that was sweet almost like... Flavor. Yeah, that was almost like his eureka moment. But, you know, if you're thinking like a true scientist, maybe that was correlation and not causation. But... That, I think that's why Snow's approach was so good. So if we go back to the workhouse and the brewery that experienced no cholera, Snow found that the workhouse had its own water well and pump, and the brewery workers were either drinking the beer that was already boiled and kind of pasteurized mm-hmm. that they were making, or they were drinking directly from the brewery's own water pump. So this, along with other cases like a carpenter who contracted cholera while traveling through Soho and drinking from the Broad Street pump, led Snow to take his findings to town officials on September 7th of 1854. It was at this meeting that he presented his now famous dot map of the Soho neighborhood detailing all the deaths attributed to cholera, which allowed Snow to present his findings. <laughs> kind of like in my in my personal viewpoint, I just I like to think that he threw it on the official's desk and kind of walked around the room with his hands on his back and behind his back and just kind of recited like a Sherlock Holmes style soliloquy of, of, of his findings, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's just me. That's just kind of what I pictured happening. <laughs> kind of like I told I just, you so moment. I like the, the brewery people not getting sick. Cause they're like, I haven't had a drink of water for 37 years. I've been just <laughs> drinking well straight alcohol. <laughs> apparently. So they got an allowance of one beer a day, like one free beer a day nice yeah and if i know anything about workers is they're gonna get more than one beer (laughs) dude that was um one of the breweries in minnesota for a while if you retired from the Mm -hmm. area you know reach retirement you got a case of beer a month yeah of the good stuff they stopped doing that though i was like jeez probably losing money (laughs) (laughs) don't have Like, That's a pretty our good pension funds are really low. Give him another beer. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to be gone. <laughs> Eating into their profits. Jesus. Um, so Snow fought to get the pump handle removed from the Broad Street pump. And I don't mean to take away from the story, but the outbreak at this point appeared to be on the decline anyway. And Snow even said so himself, as he noted that mortalities were decreasing in the area. But despite that, it's still really likely that he saved lives in the long run and helped prove now that may sound like the end of our story but we still got a little bit of ways to go here and although snow fought hard to get the broad street pump handle removed he also went further to contend that the southwark and vauxhall waterwork companies were distributing contaminated water throughout london and 
this is kind of where things get murky depending on the sources you use. And I consulted Harvard University, UCLA, so University of California, Los Angeles, and the Royal College of Surgeons of England's uh, kind of sources for this. And each of them kind of told a slightly different version of this. So I'm just, it's, I'm just going to tell it from what, from my understanding. So my understanding is that the Broad Street Pump was a well that did not share water with nearby wells. And this well was contaminated with sewage from nearby cesspools with cracked foundations, allowing for raw sewage to get into the water supply. Hmm. Separately, it seems like the waterwork companies of Southwark and Vauxhall have been distributing water from the River Thames without filtering or treating it. Snow himself could not prove where the contamination was coming from, but he knew water was the reason people were getting sick. Snow published his findings in 1855 as a follow-up to his uh, 1849 publication on germ theory entitled On the Mode of Communication of Cholera. It wasn't until after his death that the pump was dug up and found to be compromised by a leaking cesspool nearby. Uh, Yeah. How'd he die? I think just old age. <laughs> yeah, cholera. No, oh, can you imagine? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Um, but despite getting the Broad Street pump turned off, Snow was still met with heaps of skepticism and hostility. One particular critic was Reverend Henry Whitehead, who was a local minister. Whitehead protested that the outbreak was a holy intervention and was initially determined to prove Snow wrong. However, once he interviewed a woman living on Broad Street, he did a complete 180 and worked with Snow. So kudos to him for kind of changing his viewpoint, depending on his own kind of account there. This one's not the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Whitehead interviewed a woman living on Broad Street whose child contracted cholera. It was detailed that the mother cleaned the child's diapers and water and dumped that water into a cesspool mere feet from the Broad Street pump. This interview was published a year later in a magazine called The Builder, further supporting Snow's findings. That should have been, if it was published in The Pump, that would be (laughs) the publishing company right next to The Pump. Yeah. (laughs) Even though Snow had succeeded in shutting down the Broad Street Pump, cholera deaths were, (laughs) and cholera deaths were in decline. Snow continued to harass city officials, calling for improved infrastructure to prevent future outbreaks. A few Sorry. decades later, in 1883, German physician Robert Koch was able to isolate Vibrio cholerae and concluded that it is not contagious from person to person, but is instead spread through ingesting contaminated food or water as it needs to reach the intestines. This, along with other reports, pushed for improved sewage that more or less ended cholera outbreaks in the U.S. and much of Europe. Today, Dr. John Snow is regarded as the father of modern epidemiology. Those interested can still visit Broad Street in Soho, where they can find the John Snow Pub and a red curbstone just outside the pub that marks the former site of the Broad Street Pump. The pump itself has been restored and can be found on the corner of Broad Street and Lexington Street, still missing its handle. Hmm. And that's all I had for today. I, like I said, this was this was always a favorite of mine, and mm-hmm. I didn't know a lot of the details. Um, and it's again, it's a case where science and kind of a carefully tested hypothesis kind of saved the day, and it propelled epidemiology and patho- uh, pathology forward by by leaps and bounds. So, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. 
twelve percent mortality. That's even worse than mm-hmm. COVID, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it That's is. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was I mean, laughing at the pump. The pump joke oh. was too much. I just like an idea of a newspaper all about just the one <laughs> the pump that everyone gets water from. <laughs> Like a Twitter feed, basically. I'd say I feel like the pump would be like a yeah, like a uh, kind of just like a gossip magazine. Yeah, it's like talk talk around the water cooler, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, we should make <laughs> yeah. one. That could be our the like pump. new uh, social media. The there pump. we go. No <laughs> one, no one will get it. No one will get it. <laughs> we're, gonna need, we're gonna need a lot of background, a lot of backstory to understand. Like, no, it was John Snow, right? And they're like, what? Oh, but anyways, but, good job, yeah. man. That's Thanks. interesting. Thanks. Yeah, I thought so too. But We're yeah, and I also, I also think it ties in well to your surprisingly well to your water treatment podcast you're doing. Yeah, just wait till part two. That's yeah. coming up. All right. And yeah. Not gonna anyways. lie, I was I was shaking in my boots a little bit when you were talking about the dark the dark days the dark of sanitation, ages. and yeah. I was like, oh crap, he's gonna bring up the cholera outbreak, isn't he? No, especially when you brought up the River Thames, I was like, "Oh no, he's going to talk about it." I was, no. I was sweating. <laughs> I wonder. I'm sure I'll have to look up for other um, episodes. All the other mm-hmm. outbreaks we haven't really touched on outbreaks much. We talked no, about like, waterborne coli, outbreaks. Yeah, but, like there's other ones. Yeah, that's a good one actually. Hmm. Has to be. I know. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. First. <laughs> Whenever, whenever I am low on ideas, I go back and listen to our other podcasts because I always give myself ideas on these podcasts. I know. Like, we should do a podcast on that one day. I'm like, oh yeah, today's the day. This is it. <laughs> all right. Yeah. But, all right, man. Well, good job. Right. Thanks, buddy. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye.